unlike most episodes of the podcast, we are recording this on the day it's coming out. I was going to explain this so much better than that. <laughs> Is that Here's really you explaining it? Yeah, it just wasn't good. I'm going to, we're recording this. We record our episodes in sessions and then release them each week. This episode's coming out tonight. Even though usually our episodes come out on Mondays, I'm going to put it out tonight, If it, even if it kills me. <laughs> because it is November 5th, and we have to, this, that was the whole point of doing this movie. <laughs> Entire point. <laughs> so, it's happening. So, people are going to be listening to this super fresh. <laughs> nice. <laughs> there we go. V for Vendetta is the movie, if you haven't read the title. Welcome to Afterthoughts, everybody. This is a podcast that you're listening to, and it's one where we rewatch movies every week and compare our first and second impressions, as well as discuss a related topic. My name is Joshua Kazemi, and I'm here with Cole, the Coleman Taylor Thomas. Hello! I also really enjoy that you had to tell them that they were listening to the podcast. That was my yes. favorite part of your intro. Yeah, I mean, there are lots of different kinds of podcasts. Some people, you know, watch podcasts, which is weird. But it is weird. This one is one you're only listening to. You're only listening. <laughs> Today we're talking about V for Vendetta in honor of November 5th. Remember, remember. I think this entire production, you know, rushing to get it out today was will have uh, been worth it. Yeah, absolutely. Because the idea is more important than the execution. Okay, stop. <laughs> <laughs> you're just uh, a man. <laughs> That's right. But behind you is an idea. <laughs> and ideas Man. die sometimes, maybe. Yeah. Maybe not. Who knows? Yeah. I love this movie. <laughs> <laughs> Spoiler, jeez. We're gonna we're gonna get into it. We're gonna get into it. Before we do that, Coleman's gonna take us through the plot. The of plot. Alright. So there's this crazy masked man, and he's dressed like uh Guy Fury. No, I don't remember the the <laughs> historical person's actual name. I should. Um, and he lives in England. It's in the f- set in the future, and England is kind of just run in like a dictatorship at this point. Maybe a different kind of government. Whatever. They're an opp- oppressive government, uh, ruled by a high chancellor. And pretty much they just control the propaganda that they give to the people and have tons of extreme strict rules. Um, They pretty much got rid of half the country if they didn't meet their standards, kind of Nazi-ish if you look at it. And so he's pretty much just against them at this point. Uh, The government says this is for the people's good to unite them. I I can't remember the exact slogan. It's like strength and unity... Uh, unity through faith yeah that's right that's right um and so they're just trying to like uh push it as that that this is like to bring strength to the country and unite them but really they're just a bunch of oppressed people so this masked man is pretty much trying to put an end to them but we don't know who this masked man is and along comes evie uh played by natalie portman and she kind of 
pretty much just gets caught up in everything he's doing uh, due to circumstances and ends up having to he takes her in because she's so caught up in what he's done that they would probably torture her and then kill her if they ever got a hold of her so uh he takes her in they do a few escapades he has to he's like murdering a bunch of high officials and doing all this crazy stuff and he's talking about blowing up parliament the whole time he's gonna do it he starts by blowing up an important building on the 1st November 5th, which is the first, the beginning of the movie, and it says in a year he's going to blow up Parliament, just like uh, whatever his name is tried years and years ago. Guy Fieri. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so he's, he's trying to go through with all this plan. Evie doesn't really trust him and ends up kind of selling him out at one point and running away. And then... Uh, she runs away with someone else who also is kind of against England. God, this is such a convoluted plot. There's just so much going on. And <laughs> um, the guy that Evie ends up staying with, he gets caught and beaten and taken in, and they execute him for having a, a Quran secretly in his apartment. And then she gets captured as well and is tortured, but is fed these little scripts from the girl next door who just gives her a bunch of hope and is also being detained for being a homosexual and all these things. Um, and she gets tortured every day to give up where V is and she never gives in and she keeps getting these little notes from her prisoner friend next door that just keep instilling her with more and more hope until finally they stop coming. And then it's like the last day and this guy asks her, Hey, uh, do you want to confess where he is or whatever? And then she's like, no, you're going to have to kill me. And then, and then it turns out it's V. I've probably given up too much of this plot, which I don't <laughs> normally do. But, yeah, it turns out it's V. She's not captured at all. And then he, like, sets her free. And then, But she goes away. And so it's pretty much down to is he going to get away with his plan of blowing up Parliament and stopping this government? Or is the government just going to steamroll him? Who knows? Who knows? God, that was a lot harder than I thought when I first started. It's a lot of material. It really, uh, it really is. They go through a lot of stuff in this movie. It's it's a long one. Hmm. But okay, so I I saw this not in theaters, but shortly after. Like as soon as it came out on DVD, a, a friend of mine was like, "You have to, you have to watch this." Yeah, and I was blown away by it. I thought it was so, so cool. I loved like. His opening speech with all of the V's and <laughs> the dialogue and the action. I just thought this movie was so cool. And it's always, I've always looked back at it like that was such a cool movie. How did they do that? <laughs> <laughs> How did they do that? Let's see. I saw it in theaters for sure. My one thing was I was super into action movies as a kid and it didn't have as much action as I expected. Mm-hmm. But. Still remembered enjoying it and thought it was cool overall, even if it didn't. Like, I remember in the, that final scene where he throws those knives at those guys and it's all slow motion and all this cool knife fighting. I remember that being all up in the trailer. And I was like, oh, this is going to be sweet. <laughs> and then there was just barely any of that in the actual movie. But I yeah. still remember thinking it was cool overall, despite kind of not really getting every bit of it. Because mm-hmm. there's a lot there. Have you rewatched this at all over the years? Uh, if I have, like, once. 
Yeah, same here. Like, I don't really remember sitting down and rewatching the entire movie. Yeah. I definitely have, like, seen clips of it and gone back to it and stuff like that. Yeah. For just little bits. But, yeah, it's been a long time since I've rewatched the entire thing. Yeah. Same here. But, uh, just, like, the ideas in the movie are so cool. And, like, I, I like the little touches, like... The, the V5 thing, you know, because he's the fifth prisoner or whatever. Mm-hmm. I remember that moment, like, being so cool. Yeah. Man, I just, it, I mean, cool is just, like, I think the perfect word for how what I thought of it when I first saw it. I was just like, that's maybe the coolest movie I've ever seen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I definitely thought it was really cool, even if it didn't have all the action I expected. And I just thought mm-hmm. V was cool, really, is what it comes down to. Yeah. I think he's a yeah. cool character. Mm-hmm. Many, many people's Halloween costumes for years to come. <laughs> for real. <laughs> also, when I first saw this, I had no idea that the Wachowskis, who did The Matrix, wrote this screenplay. I had no idea. Still didn't know. You just told me. That's news oh, to me right yeah. there. Yep. On the, the assistant director for The Matrix directed this. Because on the set of The Matrix, they were like, hey, we wrote this script for V for Vendetta long before we ever did The Matrix what if we produce it, write the script, and you direct it? And he was like, well, yeah. And so they did that. <laughs> but I guess after all of the Matrix had wrapped. But yeah. I had no idea when I first watched it that any of that was true. Yeah. What did you uh, foresee in a rewatch? Did you think, did you think this was going to hold up? I honestly didn't know what to expect. Mm. It had been long enough. I thought I'd still like it. Mm-hmm. But I was afraid that it wasn't going to hold up. Yeah, I figured. I was afraid that I have been, I've spent like, you know, over a decade looking back at this movie so fondly without ever really rewatching it, mm-hmm. that that it wasn't, it wasn't going to hold up to how cool I thought it was. Yeah. Because that's a tricky thing. When you think something is super cool in high school, it really is like, it means nothing. <laughs> <laughs> if there's one thing we've learned from doing this podcast... <laughs> It's that what we thought in high school means nothing. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Yeah, I think that's kind of it for my first impression. Yeah, I think so. Let's get into it. Okay, second impression. I'm going to start with with not my overall second impression, but just a random detail and thought that I thought was funny. I like that the VTV segment, when he's, like, the first time he's, like, addressing the entire country, it's, like, it's, like, this terrorist takeover, but it's still, like, this really well-produced segment of television. <laughs> he has, like, a logo in the bottom corner oh, that yeah, someone yeah. had to, like, make <laughs> and put at the bottom, and there are, like, good cuts in between, you know, dramatic moments of his speech. It's, like, whoever was behind the desk was, like... You know what? This is a terrorist, but I'm still going to do my job as best as I can do it. <laughs> oh, gosh. It was so funny. Because it, it, it's, I thought it was hilarious. <laughs> but I anyway. Mean, there's little ridiculous things like that throughout the movie. Yes. They, that's, I'd say, one of the downfalls of this movie for sure. <laughs> so what was your, what was your general? Second impression. Uh, general, I still thought it was really good overall. Uh-huh. Just as you could tell from my plot, I still think it's convoluted, though. I think there's a lot yes. in there. Too much packed in, for sure. And you can't, you just can't extrapolate on all of it 
the way you could, the way I'm sure the graphic novel does. I've read it. It's been a very long time. I remember really enjoying it. My dad will stick to his guns and say it's better than the movie forever. Yeah. I can't remember. <laughs> I'm sure it is. But that's that's my biggest thing. So I, I definitely think it's really good. Love V still. Think he's an awesome character. Think it's really just jam-packed and convoluted overall. Yeah. Yeah, that's my big general sort of takeaway, too, is I think the movie's great, but I think you can sort of dissect that that statement into a lot of different things of, like, what is great about it? And I think you have a lot of great performances, a lot of great action sequences, or not a lot of great action sequences, but great action sequences, yeah. the few that there are. Yeah. And then, and then what makes the movie great is, like, the idea, the story you know, that came from the graphic novel. Yeah. This as like a feature length film might not be the greatest movie. Right. It feels long. It's, it feels a little bloated. It would have made it like a great miniseries. I think like this today could have been like an awesome Netflix show. Yeah. Like 10 episodes to really dive into so many things. Like the, the movie goes in so many different directions. Cause it's obviously telling this really long story. Right. And it doesn't do a terrible job. You know, right. it, yeah, but it's just a tough one to pull off like really well. It doesn't feel like super uh, clean or like, right. It doesn't have that finesse. And especially I think a huge part of that is just the fact that Evie's in jail for like a quarter to a third of the movie. <laughs> and yeah. while what she learns in the jail and this prison segment is very important to the overall story and it tells like V's story it still at the same time just takes you out of everything that's going on in that moment it mm-hmm. it doesn't feel as connected to the rest of this movie even though it's telling a part of the story of this movie it just felt really weird and then after she gets out you have to jump back in and she leaves and goes away for a while it's just very weird it takes a bunch of yeah. strange turns that overall help the story but don't exactly for just one long session of this it doesn't feel as clean as it could have been yeah it really it really does feel like chapters like like the movie could have benefited just a little bit more with like quentin tarantino chapter breaks you know, <laughs> I know. like you could just squeeze them right in and they would fit perfectly also there's a, just a few moments where it's like okay that's completely unrealistic like what? Like I think the silliest <laughs> thing ever the fact that he can withstand guns is just that he's wearing a kevlar suit come on you didn't expect that, guys? Like, that's not... He obviously <laughs> no one thinks, shoots him in the head, I know, either. no one shoots him in the head. And that thing's yeah. only blocking his chest. He's still got legs and arms and everything. I just think that's silly. That, but he's oh, stronger. He's the idea. Oh, he's stronger oh, than that. Oh, you're right. His idea drives him. <laughs> no, that's dumb. Also, I get that we as the audience don't see him when Evie's in jail. But there are moments, and I was paying attention because you know it's him... That it's like, how does she not know it's him in this moment right here? Specifically, uh-huh. the biggest one I'm thinking was when he's shaving her head. They're like in the same room. He's got a normal lab coat and gloves on. What is he wearing on his face right now that she like? Because we just see the camera and it's just at his chest. So we can't see him, obviously. But is he yeah. just standing there burned? And then Evie is just so distraught and crying that she doesn't tell or I don't know. I don't know. And that kind of, like, ruins that segment for me. Does she just never see his face, even when they're in, like, 
bright, <laughs> shining, like, lit rooms. I don't understand. Yeah. I don't know. We'll never know. Never know. And that's the thing. Because we won't know definitively, my imagination will just think of ways to fix that. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. He's probably wearing a, <laughs> but... a mask over his head and... <laughs> He's probably got his own V mask on, and when he's shaving your head, like, oh, there's no, so don't worry about it. it. <laughs> or he's just got his burn uh, face. He's like, oh, you never seen a burn guy before? She's never seen his burn face, so she might not recognize him. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. He could have had his burn face. <laughs> I had that moment when when the two cops go to meet with that guy who tells them all of the conspiracy theory stuff. I forgot that that was V, and so the whole time I was like. <laughs> Are you? Are they trying to like pass off uh, Hugo Weaving playing two characters? Because I can totally tell it's Hugo Weaving. <laughs> and then, like a second later, why it's didn't like, you just oh, assume that, that was, was him? Supposed to, I don't know. <laughs> I just forgot. It was like, okay, I get it, guys. <laughs> but yeah, that was intentional. And his whole plan hinges on the inspector like coming to him and suspecting his government that seems silly there's too many like what ifs in his plan as well that i'm also just like Ugh. yeah <laughs> but I, I i don't know there's something about i think hugo weaving is like incredible in this yeah, role absolutely he's so captivating and i do like you know like emotionally at that end sequence where he does get shot up but still manages to defeat all those people i like the idea that that scene sort of stands for because it speaks to the whole idea of his plan you know that an idea is stronger than an individual and i like that a lot i think that message is like is conveyed very well throughout the movie yeah despite like execution and i also really enjoyed the the thought of that there's still a man behind the idea as well like the idea carries Mm -hmm. on just even in the opening scene she's like and, and the idea lives on but she's like but it's not an idea i miss it's a man and it's like oh like Mm -hmm. that hits you like Mm -hmm. there is a person behind this idea even if the idea carries on and guy fieri died and his idea still lived on yeah so cool between hugo weaving and natalie portman like even if this movie i think was terrible but their performances were the same it's like almost worth watching they're both so good in this yeah it's crazy also i totes looked it up it's guy fox (laughs) (laughs) that's close enough (laughs) I knew it was something close. I just didn't know what. Um, yeah. That's really You know funny. who else's performance I enjoyed in this, though? Who? The antagonist. Whatever his name is. I don't even know his. <laughs> yeah, he's so good. I like him. Oh, my gosh. Because you just see so many different sides of him. You see him as the, like, mostly as the, like, yelling dictator. Mm-hmm. But then you also see him, like, he has to perform as, like, a goofy side of himself. Like, mm-hmm. if he was... On a, like, sketch TV show as this dictator, what would he act like? And then at yeah. the very end, you see him in, like, despair. And it's like, I like every scene that he does. It makes me want to read the graphic novel. I probably just need to read that. I bet, you know, that's, like, the full experience. I remember him being very different in the graphic novel. Specifically oh, really? his character. Hmm. Okay. And, like, what drives him. Interesting. And I want to reread it because of that. Yeah. How long is it? Do you know? Is it, like, Watchmen's size? No, I think it's shorter, but it's not, well, it's not much shorter if it is. It's pretty, it's Mm. pretty up there. Okay. But yes, I really enjoyed this movie overall and Mm -hmm. just all of like, V is just so good. Just like you were saying, (laughs) 
I just loved every time he's on screen talking yeah. about something. Like, just talk so to me, cool. Hugo. So cool. Evie was all right. Her performance was great, <laughs> but... <laughs> but, yeah. Overall, still a great movie. Still enjoyed yeah. it. Would watch it again in the future, for sure. Yeah, I should just watch it every November 5th. Remember, remember. So cool. Oh, anything else? No, that's it. That's all I got. Sweet. All right, let's... let's uh, I, got a, I got a movie poll bringing those back <laughs> nice <laughs> i remembered to, to post them <laughs> sweet, sweet, <laughs> they've sweet, been gone sweet. for a while uh, okay so the question is what do you remember best <laughs> and the options are there's only three this time option a is the 21st night of september which is that earth wind and fire song if you for those of you who don't know where that's from uh, <laughs> option b is the alamo and option C is the 5th of November. Do I have to guess what got number one? <laughs> sure. I'd guess the Alamo. Oh, really? Yeah. Very interesting. What, what would you think come, came in last place? Uh, the first one. Yeah, it did. It didn't get any votes. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Come on, everybody. I That's really a great didn't song. think it would, especially with you having to tell the audience what it's from, I assume. Well, just in case people didn't know, but you knew what I was talking about. Well, right? if it had gotten number one, and no, I didn't. But two, if it had gotten number one, I would have assumed that you wouldn't have had to explain it to the audience. <laughs> Fine. Nobody in our audience is musical. No. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> it's 50-50 split between the Alamo and the 5th of November, which I love. That is awesome. That's so great. Yeah, it is. <laughs> Fantastic. Thanks, everybody, for voting. <laughs> Thanks for voting. <laughs> and then, um, unrelated to V for Vendetta, but we got a comment uh, or a, a tweet from somebody about last week's episode, Thor. So this comes from D. Chia, I believe. Mm -hmm. Uh, And she said, uh, yes, I just watched Thor and it entertained. Also, notice the Frost Giants strike quite a resemblance to some recent Game of Thrones Season 7 troublemakers. Just me? And then she attached a photo of an ice giant from Thor and like the ice king guy from Game of Thrones. (laughs) Yeah. I forget his name. The Night King. Is it the Night King? Yeah. Spoiler. Yeah. Spoiler, 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 spoiler. <laughs> How is it a spoiler? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> In case they can see it. But she's absolutely right. They do look like exactly the same. Yeah. That's one funny. has red eyes, one has blue eyes, but it's that's the same it. thing. <laughs> that's awesome. So there you go. Thanks for tweeting at us. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Is it time for that topic time? It's time for that topic time. We're talking about authors that hate their adaptations because alan moore who wrote the graphic novel for v for vendetta notoriously hates every one of his adaptations does he though that's that see that's a good question because i when i was doing research for this episode and by research i mean googling 30 (laughs) minutes ago i (laughs) i read that like Apparently, there it, there's a strong possibility that he's never watched any of his adaptations. Yeah. He just, like, hates them on principle. Well... Which is crazy. How could you not watch your adaptation? Especially if you're going to express hate for them. Well, I'm sure he... Maybe he just never wanted them... Like, he thought they were meant for the medium they were delivered and never wanted them to be adapted. I wonder how they could have been adapted without his approval, then. Maybe, well, like, the, DC or whatever yeah, decided uh, to do I it. I think so. Wow. That does suck. Yeah. But dang. 
<laughs> but you got a great movie now. Movies. <laughs> yeah, you know, I think the only bad Alan Moore movie is probably the, um, what is it? Uh, the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. He he wrote that? He wrote the graphic novel, yeah. I had no idea he wrote the graphic novel. I'm 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 like ninety nine percent sure he did. No, he I, he did. I'm looking at it right now. There you go. Yeah, and maybe like you know seeds of his different like Batman and Superman stuff has has turned up in terrible Batman and Superman movies. But like the pure adaptations, you know, Watchmen is great. V for Vendetta is great. Well, apparently, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen is loosely based on the first volume of the comic book series. Uh, okay. Well, there you go. There you go. <laughs> before before we dive into maybe like some more specific examples, like if you were, if your work was being adapted into a movie or a TV show or something, how do you think you'd feel about that? I mean, would you be nervous regardless or would you like, what do you, how do you think you'd handle that? I think it'd be nervous regardless. Yeah. Even if like a great team was behind it. Oh yeah. Great teams can mm. still mess up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know. That's. I think I'd just be nervous no matter what. Do you? Would you maybe like just? Would you go the Alan Moore route and just not watch them? <laughs> I don't know. It depends. I mean, do I give them permission to do it? Do I'd probably? I think yeah. I'd I'd die of curiosity and just go watch it. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was gonna say. I think I think there are there are people out there that wait a long time before they watch their adaptation. Yeah. You know, which makes sense. Yeah. Would you wanna? Would you prefer to like wait until maybe like after you're dead? Wait, wait to watch it till after I'm dead. No, but wait, just like <laughs> prefer to not have anything adapted about or, or, or for any of your works until after you're gone. Maybe no, probably not. I I'm also curious, like just in general, like I'm already curious as it is when books come out. I'm like, hmm, I wonder what that'll be like as a movie. I'm sure I'd be the yeah. same about my own book, even if it's nervous and it would suck. I'd, I'd be yeah. curious if I wrote something and then, like, how, like, just in my mind, like, how would you put this on the screen? I think for me, I would, you know, for, for first thing, I only really write scripts and stuff. But, um, so if it was a book that I had written and it was being adapted, I would, I, my, my, <laughs> my experience of that production would be dramatically different if I wrote the script or didn't. I would want to write the script. And if I didn't, it'd be like, ah. You know, it'd be so <laughs> frustrating, <laughs> yeah. probably. So, yeah, that that would be my only thing. Yeah, which would which would make it weird because then I'm part of the production, you know, and it's not. I can't really be objective at that point. <laughs> okay, so let's talk about some notorious stories of authors hating their works. <laughs> let's do it. So I think I think maybe the most popular example is that Stephen King hates The Shining. Yeah. Have you read The Shining? Nope. And you haven't seen it either. Nope. Okay, I've only seen it. I haven't read it. I feel but like apparently, most people. Yeah. Apparently Stephen King just like really hates the way that Stanley, Stanley Kubrick apparently like, I don't want to say dumbed down because the movie is great and Jack Nicholson is awesome in it. But there are, apparently there are a lot more like complexities to the themes and the characters that just are completely not in the movie. Yeah. Which I guess must be frustrating. But also like, I can understand Stephen King's perspective. Like, mm-hmm. it's just, to, I, I'm sure to him, it's like, that's not my story. Yeah. That's just like the characters' names, but that's not my story. But then again, it's also interesting to like, like, that's 
like maybe this is one of the best versions of an adaptation where you have two very different takes so that the book experience and the movie experience are vastly different. No. You know, it's not like he translated the book to a movie. He adapted it. Mm-hmm. You know? I feel like that. Uh, that's always hard, though. I Like, adapting and translating, I don't know. It's tough. It's tough to say, like, take this material and make something new about it. I mean, we've talked about this before. Yeah. I, I, I mean, it just depends. Like, if I wrote a book and I had very important things in it and it was like a narrative, I'd want them to try and put as much of that as they could in there. Rather than mm-hmm. just like, we have these characters in this general overarching story. Let's see what we can make out of it on this movie screen. Ah, it's a tough. It's tough to. Yeah. That's interesting, though, that he doesn't mm-hmm. like it. <laughs> uh, did you see, uh, I'm forget- blanking on the name of that movie. Did you see Saving Mr. Banks? Yes. Yeah. Did you see that with me? Yes. Yeah. We watched so that's- Mary Poppins the night before, so. There you go. Yeah. So that's the story of P.L. Travers, the author of Mary Poppins, hating Mary Poppins, <laughs> the Disney adaptation of her <laughs> of her short stories. Or, or I can't remember what they are. There might not be short stories. But um, that's an interesting thing, too, because it's like I, I guess I'm taking this mostly from the movie. But there's an article that I'm referring to for most of these things uh, or most of these examples. And it does seem like the thing that she doesn't like is that. It just seems like personal. Yeah. Like the story that she wrote was very personal to her. And so to have little things changed about the character of Mary Poppins was sort of devastating to her. Even though she was like integral to the to the to the pre-production of the movie. And I guess that's just a thing you can't really escape. If someone's adapting your work, they're taking something very personal that you created. And it's just like, you know, can we ever really take an author's opinion of their adaptation? seriously not seriously but like you know they're always going to be like these biased opinions yeah which you can't blame them for right i think that's the case for pl travers yeah one on my list is a clockwork orange have you ever seen that no but another stanley kubrick movie he's just like pissing off authors left and right (laughs) just taking their material and making whatever he wants you know (laughs) that's really funny (laughs) no i have not seen it or read it yeah. Well, I don't like either anyways, so that's fine by me. <laughs> but yeah, I didn't I didn't like the movie. I, it was like supposed to be a classic. Classic. Every Stanley Kubrick movie. Yeah, it really is. Every one of his movies people consider like a classic. Which is ridiculous. I don't think I like a single <laughs> one of them. Um, yeah. So author didn't like it, but I also didn't like the book. I thought the book was silly too, but it's whatever. Are they different? Uh, I think somewhat, but not really. I don't, I don't think he took a ton of liberties with this one. Mm. Um, I think one thing, one thing that's the book is known for is he just like makes up his own, like it's set in the future, but it's based on like youths of the time, like teenagers, and he Mm. makes up their own slang for them. And so that's like heavy throughout the whole book. And then I, I'm pretty sure it's still in the movie, but you just can't convey that as well. You can't just keep saying these. And it's also like in their thoughts of what they're thinking in the book while you can't really do that on screen. So yeah. it's like just missing a huge chunk of it. But yeah, it's like overly about violence and all this dumb stuff. Anyways, I didn't like it. <laughs> 
That's fun. I like that you don't, you know, have little regard for what people consider classics. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. (laughs) I think that's that's a fine point of view. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. You got any more? No, that's it. That's it? That's all I got. I think I got one. Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Oh, yeah. Which wasn't the book. Was the book? I feel like it was just like a small children's book. I could be wrong. I think so, yeah. And it's called Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, right? Yeah, I think. Or here it says Charlie and the Glass Elevator. Oh. Or I think so. Mm Mm-hmm. Apparently, he didn't like Gene Wilder's performance, and... How dare he? <laughs> he said uh, Gene Wilder's Willy Wonka to be pretentious and bouncy and thought the director had no talent or flair. Wow. No, man. the perform- His performance is the best part of that movie. I know. It's wonderful. Come on. Oh, well. I think that's interesting. Yeah. Because that's, that's a good movie. Yeah. That's all I got, though. Should we wrap this up? Let's wrap it up. All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Remember, remember the 5th of November. Uh, <laughs> never forget. Yeah, never forget. <laughs> uh, I honestly cannot remember what next week's episode is. It's either a bonus episode or it's Wally. I think it's bonus. I think it's bonus. So tune in next week for a bonus episode. We're going to ditch the rewatch thing and just talk about movie stuff. It'll be fun. Uh, yeah. Follow us on Twitter. Keep a lookout for movie polls. They'll be out every time we do a batch of episodes. So, And feel free to tweet at us. We'll read your tweet out on the air. Thanks for everybody who's been doing that lately. It's been great. And uh, just FYI, little plug for myself, I guess. Uh, I was on a podcast, another podcast. I was on Screw Attack's Death Battle Cast a couple weeks back. And I'll link that in the description. You can watch it at uh, roosterteeth.com. That's one of those video podcasts. So, yeah, they'll, they'll, there's that in the description. Um I think that's it, man. I think so. See y'all uh, next week. See y'all. Man, there were so many missed opportunities with this one. We could have done great intros, but instead you just had to inform the audience. <laughs> That we're doing it on the 5th of November. <laughs> I thought about maybe having you do like a... Ferociously, very <laughs> violently, <Exactly>. vindictively, <laughs> with a vendetta for violence, and that's it. I don't know enough words with me. Or we could have just done a remember, remember the 5th of November... We're talking mm-hmm. about ideas and are they better than man? I don't know. There's so many things.